Hello and welcome to Meet the Researcher, where we meet staff from the Faculty of Sport, Health and Social Sciences at Solent University. This podcast is for anyone interested in research and the person behind the process. It's hosted by me, Dr Emma Mosley and Dr Mark Turner, where we take it in turns to chat to faculty members to get to know them and their research. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, Meeting the Researcher. This week, I have the pleasure to chat to Dr. Jamil Drabrail, who is a lecturer in biomedical science. Hi, Jamil. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. So the first thing we're going to do is get to know you and get to know who you are and where you came from and how you came to be at Solent. Um, so my first question for you is how did you get to where you are today? So that takes me back quite a few years. So it all started in 2006 with my undergraduate degree in Sheffield in biochemistry and microbiology. And it was in my final year project when I was working on molecular microbiology that I then actually developed an interest in medical microbiology from one of the postdoctoral researchers in the lab at the time. And he really took me under his wing and showed me some of the techniques that they were using. And this then led to me doing a PhD just across the road, actually, in Sheffield in a medical school, where we were looking at how bacteria cause infection in special immune cells called macrophages within the airways. And we found kind of new mechanisms for that. And we then also developed a mathematical model to sort of predict some, some of these outcomes. So after that, I was able to continue this kind of theme and I moved over to Paris to do a four-year postdoctoral position. Well, actually, initially we, we were looking in a disease called chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and we were interested in what's changing in the macrophages in the airways of patients with that disease to make them less responsive to bacteria. And then it kind of changed focus to more viruses, and we were able to use the common cold virus to basically find new ways that hijack those cells to actually then make the response to bacteria much harder and actually cause secondary infections. So we think we kind of have a new targets for the infection in those patients. So then I moved over to Edinburgh to really bring this kind of all sort of full circle. And I was there looking at small peptides in epithelial cells in the lungs called host defense peptides. And what we were saying was could we induce the expression of these and have a beneficial outcome on a virus infection in the lung. So now, and then now, of course, here at Solent, where I'm lecturing and building up my own research group. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so it's really nice to hear your background and the fact that you've had like postdoc positions and you know you have been like a full-time researcher. Um, how are you finding the difference between a postdoctoral position and now a lecturing position where you're managing teaching as well? It's a lot busier than I actually thought. So I might have a lot less time for yes. research than I thought I would. But it's actually because you have all of the students here, I'm actually getting fresh ideas for where to lead the research. And certainly some of our final year project students have some great ideas that I haven't even thought about. 
since actually given the new lease of life to the visa. So I think it's actually that great balance between not getting stuck in your own kind of rut and your own small hole. So it's been actually quite good busy, but still a great experience. Yeah, that's fab. And I think sometimes our students do challenge us and give us like ideas, like you said, that we hadn't thought about before. So I think it's not quite nice to draw that comparison, and um, particularly if people haven't experienced what it's like to be a, a full-time researcher in, in like a postdoc position. Um, okay, thank you for, for that summary. It was really, really clear and really interesting. Um, so we now want one fact about you that doesn't relate to research, teaching or anything academic. <laughs> Yeah, so actually most people won't know that I actually play three instruments. At the moment, I always wanted to kind of start my own band and tour in the country with these kind of things and being on stage most nights, but it kind of never took off. And at the moment, I really want to learn banjo. It sounds really cool, I just don't have time to do it. That's amazing. What three instruments do you play? Uh, piano, piano and guitar. Goodness, I feel like there's quite a few people who are quite like musical. So perhaps if you don't get any research collaborations, maybe you can create your band and tour the world. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Get the money. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, maybe a, maybe a concert in the future then, perhaps. Um, okay, so let's move on to kind of the more research specific stuff. So you've obviously alluded to your research area um, a little bit, but what would you say your kind of main research area is? So we're interested really in virus infections, so we moved away from bacteria, but what we're really interested in is how does viruses change uh, both macrophages and epithelial cells, what is, what is it doing to them that then allows uh, secondary infections to develop. And we're interested in it because actually viruses are much harder to treat, there's not that many treatments. And for us, working with the common cold, there's, there's not really any prophylactics, there's no vaccine. So trying to kind of find new targets that could kind of prevent these infections is really important. And we're also interested in the COPD and saying, if we can understand the kind of fundamental biology behind the virus, that would be used to actually say what's changing in a disease like COPD, where these patients are suffering with these infections on a kind of more routine basis than you see in a normal person. So we can kind of split off the kind of disease part of the phenotype and what's being specifically caused by the virus, rather than kind of look in a very complex area for what's changing. So you some kind of fundamental in vitro stuff and translating that into the patient. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and do you find this it's quite a challenging area because I'm I'm just kind of thinking about well, my own knowledge of the cold, the common cold. I feel like you can pick up so many different colds, like they're just constantly changing. I know like quite a few people at the moment have got like all these different variants of cold. So are you constantly like chasing your tail or are you, is that your research actually trying to stop that kind of mutation, if you like, so you can actually treat the the source rather than kind of the, the mutation if that if that makes sense yeah that, that makes sense actually the common cold is one of the hardest ones because there's nearly about 200 different types wow. and they all have their own kind of ways to infect cells so we're working on just one specific type and seeing if we can kind of apply those findings to to the remainder but for sure the, the mutations that they pick up make it so much harder for us to at least try to kind of develop 
the new treatments, but our theory is that even if there's a slight change, they should all still require the same kind of proteins to undergo their life cycles and trying to understand that should hopefully lead to better treatments. Yeah, gosh, that's so so interesting. Um, so can you tell me some of your kind of current work? So if you've got any projects that you're working on at the moment um, around this area? Yeah, so at the moment we're building a three project, so we're still staying on our very fundamental side and trying to understand what is the virus actually doing in those cells to basically lead to these kind of new changes and new treatments. So that's kind of ongoing. And we've also got into this idea of the difference between the good and the bad bacteria in the airway. So we know in a disease like COPD, there is this change in this kind of landscape that basically you become kind of filled with more pathogenic bacteria. So what we want to know is, are the good bacteria actually having a positive effect on the cell's functions? So the virus actually then can't hijack it, and it's even had an antiviral effect. Or is it more actually what they secrete? So what we're doing is actually using both of our macrophage and epithelial cell models and trying to treat them with, with different products of these bacteria and bacteria themselves and seeing what then happens before and after infection. And then we're trying to do something quite ambitious, which is to reconstruct an airway. So we're starting off by basically putting in epithelial cells and macrophages together and then trying to work out which cell type would the virus preferentially infect. So we think it's more likely going to be epithelial cells, but then are they transmitting virus to the macrophages? And then in a disease like COPD, is the epithelium so damaged actually the virus just sees the macrophage and that's what makes everything a lot worse than a normal person. So that's very early, but we're hoping we can then have those two together and add other cells in and hopefully get this on a more 3D level in the future. Yeah, so I'm just thinking like from a practical side of things, how do you go about like doing this type of research? So you're, you talked about kind of like creating that this, you know, lung if you like, so do you like layer cells in the same way that they would present in the anatomy or like, like are we talking like petri dishes like how does how does this happen like well, how do you do it yeah so we start off with cell lines and what we do is we actually allow the epithelial cells to grow first and then we start to introduce the macrophages on top so that they start to embed within the epithelial layers and then we start adding all of our microbes and see what happens. And another way is actually that we don't have them always in direct contact. So we can have like a separation between the epithelial cells and the macrophages, which means that we can then do things like underneath that separation or above it, and so we can better monitor what's going on between the compartments. And as we scale this up, we start to introduce kind of more mechanical sensors and fluid systems to really match what's happening in the tissues. Wow, that is amazing. I mean, obviously, this is quite far out of my research area, but you know, the, the fact that you can kind of like simulate those sorts of environments to be able to test your research questions is is so so interesting. Um, yeah, it's mind blowing for me. So interesting. <laughs> um, so, with regards to the bigger picture, then, so we're thinking about like impact of your research. What is your bigger impact like why do you do what you do what are you hoping for in the future 
So hopefully we'll be able to use our research to find new treatments for this particular virus, and particularly in those patients where it is a huge problem. And also thinking about the kind of more larger idea is whether actually we could use our findings to come with a kind of screening mechanism for people who maybe have a family history of this disease and say, well, actually, we know that this change is important for this particular virus, but it's already occurring before we've actually shown any signs of the disease, so we can have a treatment for you to kind of prevent, even if we can't prevent the full disease form, we can prevent the infections taking place, so kind of sort of personalised medical type treatments. So that's kind of like a big dream one day. That may or may not happen, but even if we just get one new drug that can kind of block this virus in its tracks, that would improve the quality of life of these patients in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, it's kind of like a lifetime's worth of work by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be my lifetime. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so impactful, you know, and I think a lot of um, work in this area is more about prevention and early detection than, you know, actually kind of treating what's happening at the moment. Because like you say, you, you, you want to stop people from having that experience, um, ideally in the long run. Yeah, and especially as we know, it's such a complex disease. It's more than one element. I think trying to say that completely stop it is is actually unrealistic. But prevention would still be so great. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, if you were going to give a piece of advice to anyone who is interested in research, what would be your one golden nugget that you would share with them? So I would say good networking and find a good mentor. So if you have any chances to go to conferences, to speak to people outside of your field, just take up the chance because you never know what ideas they might bring to you, what they can actually do for you because you're in a very small area and you can't do all on your own. So even having people who aren't maybe necessarily in biology, you know, they just build a much kind of wider team that can just lead to much higher better papers and better grants and much more impact from your work. And having a mentor is not afraid to tell you when you're going down the wrong track. I think that's really important. Just take that quick criticism because it can really help to build your profile and build your research. And don't be afraid of failing. You will do. And it's perfectly fine. And you'll get stronger each time. Yeah, absolutely. That That's great advice. And I think that the having an honest mentor and someone who is going to be like uh, this probably isn't the best idea or you know you, you want someone that's going to be honest and have that feedback because like you say you can't actually grow and get better if you don't experience those those things or get that feedback yeah it's true and actually as soon as you start leaving i would also say just follow your instincts if you really believe something's right just go for it because you're the expert and more than likely is yeah absolutely yeah, I think sometimes we we get a bit scared of trusting our own intuition and, you know, because we're so, like you say, sometimes you're so afraid of like getting it wrong or, you know, perhaps it, it wasn't what you thought that it might stop you from following that. So I think that's some really, really good advice. Okay, we're going to move on to the last uh, part of the podcast now to get to know you in a very quick fire way. So you're going to have 10 questions of this or that. Are you ready for them to finish off the podcast? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so first things first, coffee or tea? Coffee, for sure. <laughs> qualitative or quantitative? Uh, quantitative. 
think I think I could have predicted that one. <laughs> um, dogs or cats? Oh, dogs can never doubt. Book or journal? I'm uh, a book guy actually. Instagram or Twitter? Oh, definitely Twitter. A lit review or a methodology? Ooh, a lit review, I think. Yeah, lit review. Uh, chocolate or sweets? Uh, sweets. Undergraduate or postgraduate? I think postgraduate. Winter or summer? Oh, summer, definitely. And reading or writing? Oh, I'm a better reader. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Jamil, it's been so nice chatting to you and getting to know you and, and what it is you, you do. Um, I often say I walk past the biomedical labs and I just peer in and I think, oh, it looks really cool in there. And it sounds like you're doing some really, really impactful stuff. And um, yeah, if anybody out there that, that is having a listen wants to know a little bit more, feel free to, to drop them an email and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get some collaboration. Thank you very much. It's been great talking to you. Cheers.